Uh, Our passage today is uh, from Luke's Gospel, and um, it's the story of John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus' ministry. So we have uh, John the Baptist here. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Very very well-groomed for a man who's been living in the wilderness. Um, And then we have uh, a tax collector. <laughs> we have a soldier. Mm, not sure about that. Okay. Uh, and then we have a rich man. Um, but you're not all off the hook because you all have a line in this little drama as well. So when uh, when the, when I say the crowd says, you're going to respond. What should we do? And it'll be up on the screen if you forget your line. Okay. So we're going to practice that now. All right. And the crowd says. Great. Nailed it. Okay, I'm going to give that to John, and then maybe if you could pass it around. So one day, Zechariah's son John was in the wilderness when the word of the Lord came to him, and he began to preach. He began to tell people that they needed to repent and have their sins forgiven, and to be baptized as a sign that they wanted to change. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the paths. Oh, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John the Baptist never had this problem. Um, <laughs> every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. Now many people came out to hear John and to be baptized by him. But among them were the priests and the religious leaders who didn't believe in John's message. They didn't think that they needed to repent because they were descended from Abraham. Do you honestly think your family tree will be enough to save you from what's coming? You're in the same boat as everyone else. You need to repent and change your ways before it's too late. And the crowd said... Very good. Um, Well, I see you... Have a spare shirt and more food than you can eat. Whereas that man over there, Phil Goddard, um, has neither. Uh, so share with him. What about us tax collectors? What should we do? How about you stop collecting more than you need, need to and skimming off the top? Be honest and don't cheat your own people. What about us soldiers? What should we do? I know you aren't paid much, but that's no excuse for abusing your power to extort money from others. Protect the vulnerable and don't exploit them. Maybe this is the man we've been waiting for. The promised one by all the prophets, the Messiah. Can it really be him? The one you're talking about is coming soon, but it isn't me. He'll be much more powerful than me. I've baptized you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's the one who will bring the judgment I've been talking about, but also the one who will be able to forgive your sins. So repent. He's coming soon. Should we have a round of applause for our acting team? So by the time John the Baptist begins to preach, it has been over 400 years since the time of Nehemiah and Ezra. And thanks to them, 
the people of Israel have returned to their promised land from Babylonian exile, but they're still being ruled by one foreign empire after another until the Romans take over. They're the last in the line. 400 years of turmoil, of being pushed around, of being increasingly scattered across the world. Many Jews no longer even spoke their own language, and they were starting to blend into the cultures around them and lose what made them distinctive as the people of God. So where has God been during those 400 years? Well, as far as his people can see, he's been nowhere. There have been no more prophets, no more revelations, just 400 years of silence, of waiting. And into this spiritual and literal wilderness steps John, John the Baptist. For the first time in centuries, the word of the Lord comes to his people again. So how does God choose to break his long silence? Well, with a call to repent, to turn away from sin, and to be baptised. Now, John didn't invent baptism. It had been used before. uh, But normally it was for when a Gentile, which is a a non-Jewish person, wanted to become a Jew. But John was calling for everyone to be baptised because everyone needed to repent. And that included all the priests and the religious people and the good people It included Jews as much as Gentiles. So why would God choose to speak in this way? And why now? Because after all, his people have gone 400 years without hearing from him. And you can bet that they've been sinning all that time. So had it finally gotten too much or reached a level where God just couldn't bear it anymore? Why the urgent need to repent now in John's ministry? Because John tells the people that something has shifted. God is about to do a new thing. Something so huge that everyone needs to get ready right away. Someone is coming, you see, and he's bringing judgment with him. The old age, which included John and his ministry, is passing away. And a new age, the age of the Messiah, is about to begin. And here at Cairns Road on New Year's Eve, we find ourselves caught between the old and the new as well, don't we? And today is a chance for us to reflect on the year that has passed, just as John gave the people of God a chance to reflect on their lives. There will be a lot that we can give thanks to God for. God certainly hasn't been silent with us over the last year. We've heard from him as a church constantly, not least through the Restore programme that we've been going through. Hopefully you can also think back on moments in your own lives where you felt God's comfort, his guidance, his peace, and give thanks for those times. But there will also be things that we know we need to repent of, things that we've got wrong over the last year. Moments where we've fallen short of God's ideal for us. We've all got those moments. But we don't want to take those things into the new year with us, do we? Instead, we want to give them into the hands of the God who loves us and move forward with a clear conscience. So we're going to spend some time quietly inviting the Holy Spirit to show us areas in which we might need to repent and say sorry to God. And as you came in, hopefully you were given a brick. Uh, if, you, if you weren't given a brick, if you managed to slip past Karen somehow, um, then just put your hand up and Jenny will come around and, and give you one. Um, I invite you to hold that brick in your hands as a symbol of all the things in the past year that uh, are weighing you down in some way. 
might be guilt, it might be regret, it might just be a sense of being burdened, you're not quite sure why. Anything that you want to let go of as you enter this new year. Now you might know exactly what you need to repent of, but if nothing immediately springs to your mind, then that's okay as well, because we can trust the Holy Spirit to, um, to guide us if we let him. And there's a list of questions um, up here on the screen, hopefully it'll appear. There we go. Uh, so this is a, a starting point that it might be helpful to ask yourself and ask God these questions um, as a way of getting started. So uh, let's give that five minutes or so now and then we'll come back together. And uh, if you do have small children, um, feel free to be talking to them about it. Don't feel like you have to hold the quiet. Uh, Jenny is going to play quietly to give us some background, uh, background noise. Now, the thing about repentance, the repentance that John the Baptist was calling for, is that it means more than just turning away from something. It also means turning to something. It's not coming to a full stop. It's a change of direction. And John tells the people he baptizes that they only actually have one place to turn, the coming Messiah. Later, he will realize that this is actually his own cousin, Jesus. John's baptism was great for giving people a chance to repent, just like we've done now, um, but it couldn't actually deal with sin. It might make people ready to receive Jesus, but it couldn't do what Jesus himself could do. Jesus was going to bring a baptism that didn't just clean the outside of a person, but the inside as well. And from where we stand today in the new age, uh, we can see even more clearly than John could just what Jesus has done for us. John talks about a judgment that the Messiah will bring. This doesn't sound much like the Jesus we know, does it? Uh, Doesn't he talk about coming to save the world, not judge it? Well, yes, he does. But he also says that uh, everyone will be judged in the end, not by how good or bad they've been, um, but how they respond to him. Because um, he forces everyone to make a choice between keeping their sins or following Jesus. But here's the weird thing, because when John talks about the judgment that the Messiah will bring, he calls it good news. Well, why would judgment be good news? I'm going to ask you to imagine if you've been called into the head teacher's office uh, for a meeting about your behavior, or maybe if if you're a bit too old to still be interacting with head teachers, um, if your uh, boss tells you that you've got an unscheduled performance review coming up, okay? You'd probably feel quite anxious about that, wouldn't you? I'm guessing you wouldn't think, you wouldn't be expecting good news out of that meeting. But imagine if your head teacher told you that they were going to sit in detention so that you didn't have to. Imagine if your boss offered to lose their job so that you could keep yours. Now what Jesus has done is so much bigger than that, but it's a little bit like that. Yes, he brings judgment for sin, But he also takes that judgment on himself so that we don't have to. He goes to the cross so that we don't have to. So that he can carry all the burdens, all the regrets, all the things we were thinking about while we were holding those bricks a minute ago. Jesus baptizes not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. That's what John says will happen. God himself comes to live inside us when we believe in Jesus. Not just for a moment or a day or a year. He isn't just visiting. 
and not just when we can feel him. Even in our darkest moments, he is there. And as you might expect, having the Holy Spirit inside us changes us. We can't be the same people we were before, can we? Or live in the same ways. Day by day, in ways we might not even notice at the time, we are being transformed to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, we will still get it wrong, we'll still struggle with sin, but the Holy Spirit will give us all the power we need to live for Jesus in the here and now. Now, this can be a bit tricky to understand, this this concept of being baptised by the Holy Spirit. I found it quite difficult to get my head around. So I I went online and found an analogy that I think might help us. Um, Who here likes superhero comics or films? Anyone a fan of Marvel or DC, if you're that way inclined? Yeah, okay, a few people. A few people are quite shy to put their hands up. Um, So I think there are three superheroes who can help us understand what it means to be baptised by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, um, who is this first hero? Okay, Batman. Great. Well done, Abby. Um, My personal (laughs) favourite. Clearly the best superhero there is. Uh, But the thing about Batman is that he actually doesn't have any powers. Does he? He's not like Superman. He doesn't have laser vision or super strength or the ability to fly. He's just a normal guy, really. Um, Albeit a very rich one with lots of time on his hands. Um, But actually, what makes Batman special is hard work. He trains in martial arts. He invents gadgets and vehicles. He uh, works with the police. He learns all about the city that he works in so that he can fight crime effectively. But at the end of the day, Batman does all of those things in his own strength. It relies on him trying really hard. He has to devote every ounce of his energy to it. And while hard work is great, it isn't always enough. So as much as it pains me to say it, Batman is not a good model of how the Holy Spirit interacts with us. Sorry, Batman. Uh, Yeah, the Spirit doesn't rely on our hard work. He gives us a power that we never knew before. Okay, next up. Any ideas? Iron Man. Great. Well done. Now, he's a lot like Batman in some ways. Uh, He's very rich. He's an inventor. And like Batman, he wasn't born with any powers. But what Iron Man does have is a source of power that comes from outside himself, right? His suit. Okay? When Iron Man puts his suit on, he can fly, he can smash through buildings, he can project those like beams of energy from his hands. But as soon as he takes the suit off, He's just Tony Stark again. Just a normal guy. It's just a surface covering. It doesn't actually change the man that he is inside. Tony Stark is just as arrogant and self-assured whether he's wearing the suit or not. And again, the Holy Spirit is not like that with us. He isn't something we can take on and off as it suits us. A source of power that can be put away when we're finished using it. So, sorry Iron Man. He's not going to work either. Now we have our third and final contender. Who's this guy? That's in America. I'm pleased with the level of superhero knowledge. So like the other two, Captain America isn't born with powers. In fact, he's even less powerful to start with than they are because uh, he doesn't have any money and he's, um, he isn't a genius really. He's just a normal guy. 
much like us, if we're honest. Um, he, he wants to fight evil, but he can't because he's too powerless. Until one day, he is injected with a uh, special serum that uh, completely transforms him inside and out and gives him the strength that he needs to become a hero. And unlike Iron Man, it isn't a temporary change that he can reverse whenever he needs to. This is a permanent, full change uh, that, that remains in place even when he takes off his costume. And other characters in the franchise actually make fun of Captain America for this because they say, everything special about you came out of a bottle. But actually, people should say something quite similar about us as Christians. Because everything that's special about us comes from the Holy Spirit living inside us. It doesn't come from our hard work. It doesn't come from our cleverness or our money or anything else we might have. It all comes from being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which transforms us into the men and women we were always meant to be. So what do we think about Captain America? Is he a good good candidate? Great. Okay. Thanks, Cap. Recognise that in that symbolic action, uh, small as it may have been, uh, we have yeah we have symbolised something of the very real forgiveness of God, and He is the one who puts your sins as far away as the east is from the west. So I hope that you feel that that tangible sense of God's forgiveness as we move forward. At the uh, at the first Pentecost, uh, Peter was preaching to a huge crowd of people from all over the world. Many of them put their trust in Jesus, and the first thing they ask was, what shall we do? That question that we had earlier in our little dramatic reading. And John the Baptist listeners ask the same, don't they? What shall we do? In other words, how should we demonstrate our repentance? How should we prove our desire to live changed lives? How should we respond to the amazing things that Christ has done for us? Now that we've been forgiven and baptised in the Holy Spirit, surely there's something we can do. Surely there's a next step. Now, as we said, the most important things have been done already, done for us. There's nothing that we can do to add to or top up or improve on what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And it's the Holy Spirit living within us that will ultimately transform us, not our own hard work. But that all being said, there's a book coming. What should we do is not a bad question to ask. Because the gospel impacts every part of our lives, doesn't it? And it demands action. The same Holy Spirit who is making us more and more like Jesus Christ does give us the power we need to make real changes, to live for him day by day. And you might have noticed during our dramatic reading earlier that John the Baptist gives different advice to different people, depending on their uh, occupation, their station in life, maybe the sins that they were committing beforehand. He tells the tax collectors to be honest with their money. He tells the soldiers to use their power carefully. The rich to look after the poor. All of them needed to repent and change, but the specific practical way that they would do that differed, depending on their situation. And it will be the same here with us at Cairns Road. Not all of us struggle with the same things. 
Some of us might need to be more honest. Others might need to uh, work on our generosity. Others still might need to show more love in our relationships. But luckily, we don't need to guess at what the answer is for us. And nor do we need someone like John the Baptist to come along and tell us. Because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, don't we? And he will guide us if we let him. The people in our passage were standing between the old age and the new age. And they were effectively making resolutions, new age resolutions, uh, about how they were going to live going forward. And as I've said, we're, two, we're standing between the old year and the new year. And it's traditional for us at this time of year to make resolutions as well. So my invitation to you now is to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight to you what resolution he wants you to make for the new year. And to ask for his help in sticking with it. It won't always be easy. But know that you don't have to do this in your own strength. And if you're not sure where to start, if you're not sure what practical, specific change that God is calling you to make, um, there are some ideas up on the screen uh, of areas of life that you might want to think about and pray through uh, and see if one of them is highlighted to you. And you can do this either quietly on your own or if it would be helpful for you, you can turn to the people around you and, and talk about this. But do whatever um, you're most comfortable with. We're going to take five minutes and then at the end of that time, I'll ask the band to, uh, to lead us into our final songs. Thank you.